Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. We come this morning to one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that to the end all who believe in him would not perish but have life everlasting. Is there a passage in Scripture that is better known than that one? Is there also a passage of Scripture that people don't really know more than that one? One of the things I enjoy is when I go to do a visit at someone's home to take them communion or just check in on them is the pictures that they have on their walls, the pictures that they have out on their, their, their sofa table. And, and, and seeing somebody and the stories that I've heard about them to then see their faces. The way that we focus on our faith as the moment that we decide is the most important thing is a little bit like if we went into people's homes and all they had done was frame their birth certificate. Right? The birth certificate is an important piece of information that says, I was born. I was born on this day. I was born in this place. But what is most interesting about you is not your birth certificate but the photos of your life that tell a story about who you are. American Christianity has tended to focus so much on a conversion experience or moment that we sometimes lose sight of what is really powerful about a relationship with Jesus. It's not the start of it, which can be a very important thing, but it is the life of faith that you live throughout your life. This focus on individual salvation is sort of a unique part um, of Christianity to America. Part of it, some people think, has to do with sort of American Christian origins. In England, if you baptized a slave, you had to free that slave. That there was an understanding within Christianity that in some sense not some sense, in all senses, that slavery was incompatible with the gospel. This is stuff that people talked about since the first century. So in England, if you baptized a slave, you had to set them free. In America, we said no, because it simply, faith is simply about where you go when you die. And I wonder if that heritage of making faith so much about where we go when we die that we have missed the power of the relationship of Jesus. Barbara Brown Taylor says that in John's gospel, being born from above and believing in Jesus are clearly not so much about what one does with one's mind as what one does with one's heart and one's life. That in John's gospel, Jesus comes to to recreate us, to liberate us, to free us so that we can be people who give witness to God. 
but it is so hard for us to, to, to grasp on to that, to that, to that wisdom, to that, um, to, to that vision. Because we hold on so tightly our worries about whether we will make it into heaven or not. What if we were to kind of release that fear and trust that God is here to bless us, not to damn us? Doesn't scripture ask us to bear fruit? Isn't that seem to be the end goal of this relationship with Jesus is, is that somebody looks at your life and says there are something different about this person. Isn't our hope that God will show up in our life? Or do we just simply want a baptismal certificate that is hung on our walls? We have focused so much on that message of God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all who believe in him would not perish but have life everlasting. And we miss the next verse. It's not that verse 16 is not unimportant. That's an important verse. But in verse 17, John tells us he sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but to save it. God is not in the condemnation business. And somehow Christians have missed that message. I don't know if we weren't there when God sent the memo to us, because it's really clear here. I am not about condemning the world. I am about saving it. And the danger of religion is that suddenly becomes a mechanism of condemnation and punishment rather than liberating people to live the life that God wants them to live, to free them from the things that hold them down, to unleash them by the power of the Holy Spirit to be Jesus in the world. We tend to think about Jesus sort of like pagans think about the gods. If we just rub Jesus' belly then Jesus is going to give us something. But that's not how Jesus works. You know, one of the stories that um, if you go and you ask people, say, what's your favorite Bible story? I talk about this in Foundations. What's your favorite Bible story? And a lot of people will say Noah's Ark, right? And Noah's Ark is a horrific story. You know, it's, you know, I mean, it's not even, like, really great if you're, like, one of the eight people trapped in a boat full of, um, you know, animals. And if you've ever been in a long car ride with your family, you really know that's not really great. But um, it's even worse for the people who drown. Right? Jesus is the anti-flood exposure of God. Jesus tells us that God's desire is not to destroy us, but to save us. And that the cleansing of Jesus that he does is not a destruction, but a renewal through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is refashioning the cosmos in the way that it was intended. In John's Gospel, at the very beginning, we get these echoes of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And at the end, we find Jesus in the garden. At the resurrection, Mary Magdalene confuses him with the gardener. John is telling us that, that, that in Jesus Christ, that God is rescuing the world. 
We sit there and we think that God saves us individual by individual by individual, when in reality the biblical witness is, is that God is saving all of creation. And the good news is, is that we as individuals are swept up in that salvation. I understand why religion sometimes focuses on fear as a way of getting people to convert. Fear is a powerful, powerful mechanism for making people do what you want them to do. Think about how often when we're um, trying to get a child to do something, what do we do? We, we go to fear, like, well, I'm going to take away your iPad for the rest of the day, right? And suddenly the behavior shapes up. But God doesn't work in fear. God works in hope. God works in deliverance. Paul reminds us throughout his letters that we are a people who have hope. And what we are asked to do is just to believe in that hope, to trust like Abraham did. Brian Zahn asked this question about this text. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the savior of the whole world, not just individuals? I'm not asking you to believe that Jesus saves individuals who are in the world, but whether you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. Is Jesus the savior of God's creation and God's dream for a human society living in harmony and exercising dominion as Christ, as creation's caretakers? Do you believe that what was lost by the first Adam can be recovered by the last Adam? Do you believe that the one that Mary Magdalene thought was the gardener can restore creation? Thank you.